you know, I went into the into the experience really kind of broken, open, kind of stuck. And I came out broken, open, and moving. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. Hi, this is Dan Putt. I'm one of the partners here at Reboot. As some of you may know, we are offering a Reboot Vision Quest this fall. And so many have asked, what exactly is a quest? And perhaps more importantly, what could it do for me? So we wanted to take some time and introduce you to our amazing guides, Jim and Jade, and give you answers to some of the questions you've been holding. But first, I actually wanted to share my own time on the land experience with Jim. So, I guess we are going through a transition, I started. It felt awkward, really, really awkward, but I continued. I'm in the middle of a move, and I'm still trying to figure out how to be a father to my 10-month-old. It got a tiny bit less awkward, but still, here I was in the middle of a beautiful spring Colorado morning in Devil's Slum Ranch during boot camp week, talking to this ugly six-foot-tall, red-and-blue bush in the wetlands. I could feel the morning dew starting to work its way through my shoes, getting my toes wet, as I stepped closer and prepared my next statement. And then, a goldfinch showed up, landing on a bush, and looked right back at me as if to say, All right, go on, I'm listening. If I hadn't experienced it, I'm not sure I would have believed it. But that goldfinch conversation was one that still moves me today in surprising and powerful ways. It opened up new insights for me, new opportunities as a dad, and things I'm still unraveling two years later. And my experience was not unique. Time and time and time again, I get the pleasure of seeing skeptical but open boot campers enter the Colorado wilderness with instructions from Jim, looking for a conversation with a bush or bird. And time and time again, I see them come back in shock with how the land opened up new insights for them, Jerry included. In today's episode, Jerry, Jim, and Jade talk about the power and opportunity of time on the land and solo time, how Jerry's own experience on his quest, which was guided by Jim and Jade, has shaped him, and why a quest could change your own awareness forever. If it terrifies you, you are ready. Go apply at reboot.io slash quest and enjoy this conversation with Jerry, Jim, and Jade. Do you love yourself enough to listen with the ears of your heart to the other voices of yourself speaking? Bino Kennedy. Hey, Jade. Hey, Jim. It's really, really great to see you. And, you know, as we were just saying before we started, it's been eight years since the three of us actually spoke, but I don't want to get too far ahead. And um, why don't we just take a moment and let me ask you each to introduce yourself so that the listeners can really uh, get a distinct voice that's going on. So, Jim? Hey, Jerry. Jay, great to be here. Great to be with both of you again. I'm Jim Marston, and I'm one of the coaches here at Reboot, and I'm also someone who heads up the organizational development, leadership, and training work here at Reboot. I've also been 
a guide over the last 15 years, um, guiding programs in the backcountry and in beautiful places, different parts of the world, with the opportunity of taking people into wonderful places, both on the external landscape and their inner landscape. And I'm excited to be able to talk about that a little bit further with both of you today. Thanks, Jim. And Jade? Hi, everybody. And hi, you guys. Jim and Jerry, it's it's quite a privilege to be here with you. The the constellation of the three of us, because it's been eight years since we were the three of us together in a conversation. And I have been a, um, I call it nature-based soul guide for more than 20 years now and had the um, beautiful honor of attending a lot of different people uh, in the walk towards what's our gift and what are we doing in the world and how can we do that better? And Jim was my co-guide when we both uh, got to guide Jerry eight years ago. So it's wonderful to be here with you. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really special honor and treat for me uh, to be with the two of you again uh, in this space. Um, as Jay just mentioned, uh, you both were my co-guides on a vision quest that I did in 2008. And um, to, to be in relation to the two of you and for the three of us to even via Skype to be in a circle again is a real pleasure and an honor. Um, you know, I'm filled with, with different emotions a tremendous amount of gratitude, a tremendous amount of honoring of what we created way back when. Um, and, and this is kind of a special edition of the podcast. And take some time to talk about what that experience was like, what that experience was like for each of us and what your experiences have been like. And equally important, what we think might be applicable to the people that we work with at Reboot. Um, going forward, because as you know, we're we're planning to create our own version of a uh, of a vision quest uh, for later this year. So, yeah, that's what the hope is for this conversation. I guess, I guess I have a question for the two of you, and you know, I don't know who's interviewing whom on this episode, <laughs> but I don't really care. I guess the question I have is what, and, and this is to each of you, what, what is it that happens on a quest? What, what really happens? I mean, you know, people, people have these sort of kind of mythological or constructed views of it. You know, you go and in our case, there was a portion that was a water only fasting and, there was a tremendous amount of time alone. Um, but what happens to people? You've been, you've, you both have been doing these things for a long time. So who'd like to go first? I'm happy to start us off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's funny. Um, as I listened to the question, there were two responses, kind of one on the level of, what are some of the mechanical things you know that happen and be helpful for folks to maybe have some sense of that. But then there's also what's happening at the personal experience level. And, and then the answer to that one is, well, magic happens. And um, 
That's what like I was going to say. <laughs> That's why we've guided so much together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but um, before we open up to the magic, it might be helpful just to share a little bit about some of the practical things and what happens on a on a, a quest or a, there are different names for it, even a solo fast and uh, um, other types of things that might be recognized by people. And even the naming of it, I think, is actually important because what we're wanting to do is emphasize that it's it's um it's an opportunity to, for people to come out onto the land and to have an experience that that meets them where they are. And sometimes the term vision quest um, can evoke ideas of what it might have been to have been a more indigenous uh, person being taken out by their elders out onto the land. And while there may be a lot of similarities, there are some important differences, and we don't want the idea of vision quest to be overlapping with some of the more indigenous cultures. We want people to really acknowledge that this is an opportunity for people to show up as they are, be whatever they need to be in coming to meet themselves at this point in their life, and to be able to go a little bit more deeply into it. Then in terms of the structural layout, there are some things where first couple days of the of the quest itself is intended to help people support people looking at what's actually coming to an end in their life it's a period of severance and of letting go and the guides are there to just offer up some time and space and some ways in which they can go and do that and and, uh, explore those questions in ways that include the mind but are going beyond the mind that open up to their own curiosities and their own bodies um, to really see what's here to let go of at this time in my life. And so severance is an important first part. And also during those early days, there's the invitation to start considering how they might spend their time out on a solo. And uh, during this quest, there'll be the opportunity to spend a couple of days in solo and preceded by a day of fasting, which is also an invitation. It's not mandatory. It's an invitation for them couple of days uh, of solo following that, also continuing to fast, and then coming off the solo experience to take a look at what has, what's been evoked, what happened during the solo time, and what kinds of insights or questions are now coming to life, and how might those actually inform the life ahead. And the last part of our physical time together is to look at how we might um, connect with the inspiration or the insights that have come from the whole experience and turn the attention towards how do I live those into my life going forward from our time together. That's kind of a quick overview of some of the structural underpinnings for for the journey itself. But maybe how about I stop there and Jade, if you wanted to share a little bit more about the magic or anything else you'd like. Yeah, I, th- I think that would be great. Jade? Yeah. You know, I was just reflecting as I was listening to you on the fact that we both said that magic happens there because it's interesting to me that it appears as magic to us when in some ways what I believe is really happening is that we get to have the experience of coming back to our true humanity as beings that are connected with Earth, connected with stars, connected to our bodies, that we... uh, be able, we're able to communicate with, on some level, <laughs> the other beings that are out there and maybe catch a glimpse of who we really are in the mirror of wild nature. And, you know, in today's world, as we go faster and faster, it feels to me like the world is speeding up. 
uh, at least the humans are speeding up. And um, we're, we've become a bit separated from nature that in this opportunity to actually stop our lives, to reflect on our lives, to sort of reconsider what's important for ourselves, um, it's interesting to me that that now is considered magic when once upon a time that was everything that guided us. So um, it's very beautiful to watch what happens when people simply stop and are in the company of wild nature and uh, get to breathe in a bit more of their own essence. And then with the help of guides and the mirror of other humans, understand more about how to bring that out into the world and so for every person, it looks different, and um, for some people, they might say, that was the most healing thing I could possibly do. Some people come out with a very clear vision uh, of something that they want to bring into the world. Some people come out with um, having uh, a mysterious experience that is a little harder to understand, but out of that grows a vision. So it's, it's just, um, it's been a real privilege to get to see the way in which this time out in nature actually affects people and their lives. It always something happens. Some, some people have a fear that nothing will happen, but always something happens. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, hearing you both speak about it, helps me remember, you know, the experience for myself. And, you know, Jade, you had asked a question about the work that I'm doing. Before we started recording, you asked a question about the work that I'm doing in the world now. And, you know, I think I said something to the effect of, you know, I went into the, into the experience really kind of broken, open, kind of stuck. And I came out broken open and moving. And um, thinking back to that time, you know, we, I, I know we each have different memories of that particular quest. And I imagine after all these years, you've had so many different memories and so many different experiences. But I'll share with you in particular, Jade, uh, a memory. And, and that is, it was after the solo time and we had come back uh, uh, to the lodge and we were doing some reintegration work and we had all sort of begun whatever means possible getting messages from home. And I'd gotten a message that my then father-in-law was uh, very sick. And I... I immediately went into the fix-it mode that is so much a part of my characterological pattern. And I began making immediate plans to leave the experience early. And if memory serves me right, Jade grabbed me my face by both sides of my ears. <laughs> and actually, you called something out of me. Um on the quest, I'm allowed to, to share the name that I received, aren't I? Sure. Yeah, up to you. <laughs> so the okay. name that I received on the quest, and if you think about what I do for a living now, it really resonates, 
this holder of stories of the heart. And you grab my face, Jade. No, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and you said to me, what does holder really mean? Who is holder? Who is holder? Does holder fix? Or does holder hold? And uh, that was a hard motion for me because jumping in and fixing is still something I work with. But to this day, I still see your face staring into my face, asking me that very profound, very humane, very human question. Who is Holder? Does Holder fix or does Holder hold? And, uh, you know, it's hard, it's hard to find moments in your life that just click, change everything. And that I can trace so much of who I am today, the man I am today, to not even the solo time, but to that moment. And I don't think I've ever shared that experience with you, but I did want to say thank you to both of you for that. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that, because I think that may have been the time that I was remembering that I referred to prior to starting here and I one of the questions I was holding for you Jerry was um, that you may have just said the answer to but it was something like what was the most pivotal moment for you or um, was there a moment that actually something shifted from maybe the rear view to the forward view and I don't know would you say that that was a or the most pivotal moment for you there were a few moments that stand out in stark contrast. It was, um, there was that, which was a really important. And, and that, what that moment felt like was that it had taken the previous two weeks of work and kind of seared it into my body, you know, and it was a powerful, powerful moment. But, but there was another moment and it was the, the second day of the fast the second day of the solo. And I was in a lot of pain. And I didn't have my journal. I wasn't meditating. I didn't have a book. It was just me and a few little stuff, you know, some shelter to keep myself really more than anything out of the sun. Um, plenty of water. And I remember uh, crying so much and, and digging a hole in the sand and just crying into that hole and really, in a sense, vomiting up all of the pain that I had experienced as a kid. And... Um, and I've often said, I, I did it into the earth because I don't think anything else was large enough to hold it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So for me, it wasn't just singular moments as much as it was a series of these snapshot moments. You know, the moment where I heard my name, first heard my name. The moment where 
you know, you know, I'm half naked with my head buried in the sand. You know, the moment of, of coming back to myself, to my truest self, um, not the self that was assigned to me prematurely as a boy. Here, you go take care of everybody. Right. So, I don't know. Was that was that the kind of? Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You're bringing me right back into not your moment, but the moments that are always so um, poignant, mm-hmm. you know, in the stories that I hear and how things begin to uh, take a different shape in our lives. Mm-hmm. I know for me, there's a um, part that's coming alive as you're sharing that is recognizing um, experiences where we can have those moments that you know something really important is shifting and yet you may not know what it all means you know, at yeah. that point in time and you may not know what it is even by the time you leave you know being out on the land together but just having the opening uh, can work its way and there can be really significant and there has been significant times that have passed between having been out on the land exploring the depth, having those experiences, and then coming to realize sometime later in life, wow, now I remember that happening. And now here's how it's really coming alive for me in, in this way at this time. It, it's uh, unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's important to kind of notice that as I think about folks who may be listening and um, may have some curiosity or interest in going out on an experience like this, wanting to have a singular experience that can change everything. Mm-hmm. and open everything up with clarity. And sometimes that can happen. And back to what Jade had mentioned just in the introduction, there's you know, this idea of the twin fears that we talk about, where mm-hmm. heading into this, we, we can have the fear that nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll go out and I'll come back and nothing would have changed. Mm-hmm. And of course, the other fear is the flip side of the same coin, which is something's going to happen mm-hmm. and it's going to change everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And am I really up and open for that? And mm-hmm. we don't know. We can't know. Um, and at the same time, we know that you can't not have an experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's, there's part of the magic is to be able to explore these places and undergo and go through these experiences, knowing that there is a shift that's taking place inside of me. Mm-hmm. And then the importance of being able to tend to that after our time together, that it's not just... Great, I had the opening, program's over, now off I go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, no, it shifts everything. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to say, um, Jim, that I love that you just brought that up. Oh, the program's over, now we're gonna go. And I think what's um what I would what I see as really important for people that would ever consider entering such a thing is that it's actually not a program. Yeah. It's, it's actually a an ancient art, I like to think of it as. It's and a ceremony. I mean, this is pan-cultural. It's been going on in uh, every culture, probably every religion, mm-hmm. since the beginning of man, really. And so as we go along and we, it seems like as we grow older, we head into business and so on, the likelihood that we start to separate ourselves from nature and from our own nature is high. And so this art, reviving this art and inviting people of all ages and all uh, 
places in their lives to return is really pivotal for most people. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. right, don't always know how to proceed, but but often, almost every time, I would have to say there's a seed that later will sprout if you give it water. Yep. yep. Yeah, I, I, I think that giving it water analogy makes it makes a, a, a ton of sense for me. One of the things that uh that I had to come to learn about being in therapy, for example, or even now as a coach and coaching other people. And even going through this period of exploration in my life and the, and, and my quest came about during a, a very profound period of about four to 10 years of, of really deep transformational work. The, mis- the myth, and I think it comes from Hollywood, is that there's going to be a singular epiphany moment where everything clicks into place Everything is wrapped up before the commercial break. It's 22 minutes. Your life is done. Boom. And I think that uh, if you can let go of that expectation, these types of, of experiences, these types of journeys become part of a larger arc, if you will, of transformation, right? If I had tried to do that quest with the two of you, when I first left JP Morgan, I, it would have been a very different experience. I don't even know that I could have. I had to have gone through other experiences in some ways to prepare myself. Moreover, if I had just stopped after that experience and not allowed myself to continue right. to open, yeah. then I would not be the man I am today. Does this resonate with the two of you? Yeah, totally. Yep. Yep. Can you say, Jerry, what do you remember what it was that actually nudged you towards now is the time? Now I'm ready to step towards this ceremony of a vision fast. Yeah, I mean there were a series of of things that sort of came together. Uh one was and I, I probably told you the story of my trip to Greenland in 2007, so the year before. And, you know, I'd always wanted to explore this more adventuresome side of myself. And so I signed up to go on a first journey crossing this unexplored isthmus uh, on the eastern coast of Greenland. And I ended up falling in a crevasse and laying at the bottom of that for two hours um, and having to be rescued and pulled out of that. And um, a few weeks later, because I was, you know, something of an experienced junkie in those days, I was on a, a, a soul craft um, program with Animus Valley Institute with Bill Plotkin and Rebecca Wildbear. And it was in a conversation with Rebecca where she asked something like, why was it that the earth swallowed you up? which was a completely different view of my falling in a crevasse. And that question opened me in some really powerful ways. What, you know, it was like the earth seems to be wanting to get your attention. And uh, in a very dramatic way, kind of (laughs) grabbing hold of me. 
And so in some ways, it was that experience which then said, I need to explore this a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, what led me to make the decision to sign up for, for the next experience. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was very much part of a, an arc of time. You know, you can almost trace, right? And I remember deciding to go on the Soulcraft um, retreat because for my coaching class, we were assigned Soulcraft as our book, one of our books. Oh, that's great. Huh. Huh. Right? Well, I love what Rebecca did with her question for mm-hmm. you. And, and at the same time, I feel sort of the, the there's a similar answer that we often hear is that people fall into some kind of a crevasse in their life that they can't get out of and they're looking for something else. Yeah. Or some kind of inspiration or some kind of knowing of who they are. So it's a, I love that story. I do kind of remember it now mm. and I'm happy to have heard it again. Mm. Mm. I think that idea of falling into the crevasse and what you just shared there, Jay, too, I think... Um, thinking in terms of the listeners as well, it's people may feel something that uh, is compelling them towards this kind of exploration and this kind of journey. And um, what we'd recommend is that you stay close to that compelling tension or force or discomfort or whatever it is. And as it shows up, that it's quite different from something that might be inside that's more coming from the strategic place Mm -hmm. where we try to think it through or come to an answer or just try to um, apply ourselves in what we've already known how to do to Mm -hmm. try to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, For those folks who have already tried that and are still finding a longing, still Mm -hmm. bubbling inside of them, (laughs) we'd love to talk to them (laughs) further. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would add, for those folks who are listening to this and are thinking about it and then hearing the contrary voice that pops up that says, no, 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 you know, you can't do this or whatever. I recall something Bill Plotkin once said that I heard him say, which was, when your heart starts beating really fast as you contemplate doing something, that's probably a call to do it anyway. Um because that means you're right at that edge. And the other side of that edge, no one can tell you for sure what it is, but I can only speak from my experience. The other side of that edge has been glorious. And it was scary as all hell, jumping over that crevasse. Yeah. Yeah. It seems that the fear that comes with the decision to do such a thing and then walking towards the actual event, um, the fear that's there is actually a vital part of um, the sort of unnameable transformation that happens for people. And it makes me think actually of your adventure um, in Greenland, Mm. you know, great adventure. And I'm sure you had fear there and, you know, fear seems to be just integral in um, our our transitions and our transformations. And so feeling fear doesn't mean I'm not going to ever do that. It actually might be a beckoning. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's something to consider again. Mm-hmm. I think fear, yeah. fear and a little bit of discomfort, 
right? I just, I just flashed on the first night that we set up camp in Greenland and we were getting into our sleeping bags and the sun was just beginning to set. It was about 1030 at night. And I watched the thermometer hanging from the inside of the tent drop from 20 above to 50 below. <laughs> and fortunately, we're not putting anybody through that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But there was something raw and powerful about um, stripping away all the all the all the things that give us comfort. You know, here's your Starbucks coffee and. You know, let me let, let me have Postmates deliver lunch to my desk so I don't actually even have to move my body. And, you know, yeah. like all of these things that we live our modern lives around and, and, and getting down to this sort of raw essence. And then from that place, watching your heart beat fast, you know. Yeah. And staying open to what's alive around you. And this is where the land can be so amazing. Um, just there as the presence of another guide mm-hmm. in supporting us in ways we can't anticipate. Mm-hmm. So I think um, the stripping away and even the idea of the fast itself is helping us to slow into and breathe into our natural rhythms. So we actually are more tuned to see and sense what's actually here, you know, yeah. already. Yeah. Um, and that's just beautiful to, to witness, yeah. be a part of. I think there's something in our our natural our our human nature that actually uh, thrives on a kind of risk, and particularly the nature-based kind of risk. I mean, maybe we've it's been altered a little bit into some kind of risk-taking in the business world, but um, there's something that brings us alive when we're actually confronted with our own bodies and the earth and um, the animals and all that's there. It's very enlivening. And I love seeing people come awake in that way, you know, because we have guided so many people who have come to us from big cities that say, I've never spent the night out alone. I've never slept on the earth. I've never, you know, spent the day alone wandering and, they come so courageously and yeah. head out there and their whole perspective on life seems to shift because they've had this brand new experience and something wakes up in them that is undefinable, really. I remember it was actually in the Soulcraft retreat. We did the, uh, we spent the night without any shelter outside. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time for me. And to, and to mm-hmm. wake up at, you know, midnight and feel the dark um, and see the stars in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then to slowly have your eyes adjust to the point where you actually can see. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden your relationship with that world starts to shift. Very, very powerful. Very powerful. I love that you brought the stars in because there's a, in the etymology of the word consider, Hmm. means to be with the stars or the constellation. So there's something mm-hmm. historical that says we learn something about who we are and our life. We reflect, we consider, and something about being out there with stars actually is in our history, you know, mm-hmm. that helps us to see again. And um, so that's beautiful because 
I think that even time out for reflection is rare these days mm-hmm. in working with some of the business people of the world that I've worked with. I had a man from Africa say, I've never spent the day alone just with my own thoughts. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow. You know, I think we're really hungry for that, even if we don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I feel like, as we we talked about risk earlier and fear, it's that mix of terrifying and alluring. Yeah. (laughs) And where the heart's beating, it's like what I also think of as the sweaty palm test. Yeah. My my palms are sweating, then it's like, oh, man, now I've become aware of something that I can't say no to, but I don't know how I'm going to make it. Yeah. Or what I'm really even saying yes to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, I'm feeling that now because, you know, this is not the normal coaching company thing to do. Um, And just like... uh, just as we've done, you know, since we really launched this company, we've always tried to bring a dose of magic into what we're doing. You know, Khaled, my partner Khaled likes to say, we smuggle in consciousness. And, you know, to me, does a vision quest lead to greater leadership? I don't know. But I'll tell you this, it will lead to more resilient human beings, more human human beings. And I happen to believe that more human, human beings make better leaders. I uh, agree. Yep. Beautiful. So, and I also think those people are sending out healthy ripples into the relationship that they're already a part of, whether it's the organization, the company, or their family. Exactly. And their neighbors. So. Exactly. You know, as I often say, you know, to, to a client, The reason we go into sort of what I refer to as the radical self-inquiry work, the reason we go into our own self, it it may help us, but but equally important is when you go home at night, how are you with your spouse and with your children? How are you with your parents? How are you with your intended, with, with the people in your life who matter most to you, right? Are you carrying that stress? The sense of inadequacy, the sense of an imposter syndrome. Are you carrying that forward in a kind of violent way, a subtly, verbally, emotionally violent way? Or are you letting that go and being more fully present for everybody in your life? Because if it's the latter, then the work you do in this way benefits everybody in your circle. Well, I want to thank you both for this. And any any parting words before we sign off? I just have to add to what you just said, which mm. was such a beautiful statement. But um, I would just want to extend that to um, the way that we then affect the natural world, the earth and Amen. all her beings that are not human that so need us to be nonviolent and kind and in relationship with. And so we see that... It, these kind, this kind of work, the work that you've done so much of, Jerry, and that we've done and been with people in, that it ripples out and it actually affects the planet, I believe, yeah. and beyond that. And know. generations to come. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Both, both directions, ancestors and generations to yep. come. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anything further, Jim? No, I'm just, um, this conversation has helped me to reconnect with 
so many different people now who have gone through these kinds of experiences and I'm just um, feeling gratitude for their having stepped into their lives more fully to go through this and I feel really lucky to have been a part of that and great to be with both of you. Thank you. I I, I will speak from experience that those who attend our our quest are going to consider themselves very lucky and fortunate indeed to have the two of you as their guides. Uh, It's really beautiful. So thank you so much for taking the time and uh, I really appreciate hearing from both of you. Be well. Thank Thank you. So that's it for our conversation today. I know a lot was covered in this episode, from links to books to quotes to images. So we went ahead and compiled all that and put it on our site at reboot.io slash podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find out about that on our site as well. I'm really grateful that you took the time to listen. If you enjoyed the show and you want to get all the latest episodes as we release them, head over to iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, it would be great if you could leave us a review, letting us know how the show affected you. So thank you again for listening, and I really look forward to future conversations together. How long till my soul gets it right?